This is Working the Beat. It is Wednesday night, January 22nd, 2020. I'm Kevin Coney along with Mike Kern. Glad you could join us here on this program, our week, our solo week edition. We're not going to have any this week, uh, later in the week. A little family commitments uh, on the way. Uh, as we get ready for Super Bowl 54, the Chiefs and the 49ers both uh, dominant really on Sunday in the AFC and NFC championship games should be an interesting Super Bowl as we uh, look ahead and hello Mr. Kern how are you yeah I'm, I'm not sure obviously in this town it's going to be you know, do you want Andy to win do you, you know and, and our good friend your good friend I mean I know Angelo Cataldi who uh, and you got to our Sports Writers Bank with the other night. He, Which we had a great time at. And he accepted the um, the Campbell Award, correct? With Bill, with Cam- Bill Campbell looking down, apparently. Yeah, apparently. And um, he hates Andy. Or, and it was interesting. I was listening today because I had to drop my car off real early. And I don't usually get up that early to listen. And Angela was making a couple points. It, right, wrong, whatever. You know, he's got Tyree Kill on his team. He's got... The lineman that makes an idiot Frank, out of himself well, all Frank, the time. Uh, Frank, Clark. Frank Clark. Yeah. Um, and he brought up some other things. Like, he says, how can I root for... Sean McCoy is one who Sean he brought McCoy. up. Yeah, I heard and that Michael this morning. Vick, I guess, you know, well, gets brought up. So, I'm just saying. I'm by just some, saying, they would bring up I'm Michael saying Vick. what he was saying. Um, and there was and an the, entertaining back and forth with our buddy Mike Silski on this. But go ahead. The only thing... This is my thoughts about Andy. I think lots of teams have reclamation projects and will take guys. And my feeling always is if they're playing for your team, you're willing to overlook it. Mm-hmm. Like when Mike Vick came to the Eagles and a lot of people, rightly, and rightfully so, and I'm a dog person. So, you know, they didn't want to see Mike and then Mike start playing well. Unless people kind of didn't, you know, Ray Dininger didn't want me because he's a dog yeah, person. He's a dog I, I person. I'm a dog person. I'm a dog I person. Didn't, I didn't. But I want, believe in second chances. I didn't also. want Vic here, but I also, when you got around Vic and you saw that he wasn't just saying it, he was kind of living it. He was putting money into the ASPCAs. Yeah. He was doing, you know, yeah. public, you know, obviously part of it was mandated after his, his prison sentence. It just depends sentence, if but. you think people, like how strongly, you know, do you believe in second chances and and are and third chances and you know whatever chances and um but apparently you know with Tyree Kill his son's arm got broke or something yeah. okay and that and that's one that's tougher to accept but yeah. I, I also think that part of it Mike is <sighs> Andy has this father Flanagan streak in him um that he thinks he can reclaim everybody. And maybe that's what happened to his kids. And I think part of it may be an offshoot of what happened with Gary. Although Vic was before his kids got in trouble, wasn't it? Yeah, but. And that was an owner and, decision, and too. Wasn't that an owner decision, too? Well, kinda? it was Andy's first, and, and Jeff had to sign off. Right. Um, I personally believe that that Andy Andy's personality is, I'll give you a shot, and I'll give you a shot. And. You know, as Mike, long as you can help my as team. As long as you can help my team. Right. You know, look, and he, he's not alone. I mean, Bill Belichick. This year. Antonio Brown. And the other guy. Yeah. Um, who, who had like seven suspensions. The guy played on Cleveland. Right. Josh Josh, uh, Josh Gordon. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at, you know, Mike Silski brought up the Lawrence Phillips and that Dick Vermeil tried Absolutely. To, to rehab Lawrence Phillips in his first year. He was year. a bad guy. And it was a bad guy. In football, there's more of those cases, and I think that's why 
it works. Well, there's or, been, or, there's uh, been baseball guys who've gotten well, Steve Howe and and all that. Yeah. But I, I think as far as the domestic violence sure, stuff or or, sure. or, or or all the other. Social issues that are not just drugs. Oh, Zuno got it, and then the general manager got up and said, <laughs> "Yeah, I, the world's crazy." I mean, so if you want to look at it like this, it, it, Andy's not an outlier in that business, and so fairly, unfairly, whatever. Look, I understand if Eagle fans are not rooting for Andy Reid next week. I do because it didn't end on the best of terms. There's bitterness over what happened at Super Bowl 39. There's a mystery of what the hell happened at the end of Super Bowl 39 with Donovan and the two-minute drill and all that. And, and you the know, seven-minute drill. Yeah. And Donovan <laughs> threw up. And I still don't know why Donovan just won't just same. admit I, I threw up. Okay, so you threw up. It's okay. But yeah. Donovan's ego can't take that. But my, my thought on Andy is this. For 10 years, he gave us the best... 10-year period. Was he the greatest Eagles coach? Look, Greasy Neal, as Angelo brought this up. Greasy Neal won two titles mm-hmm. way back yonder. Although I think he had Brookshire playing on those teams. And yeah. No, Brookie didn't play on those teams. No, team. he was on the 60, 60 team. team. Yes. But, but I've heard he people tell me Dick Vermeule was Van better. Because, yeah, I, I mean, Rob Cherry and I used to get in this all the time. Dick Vermeule was better. No, no, not as an Eagle. He had 10 years, and he was the guy that drafted Donovan, that set them up. Whatever you think of Donovan. They went to five NFC Championship games in the Super Bowl in a 10-year period. They didn't win enough. That, that's fine. But he gave you a lot of things to cheer about. They were a Super Bowl contender almost every year he was here. After, like, And what he inherited was not that good. When I sit down and watch the Super Bowl in two weeks, do I care if Andy Reid wins? I, th- I think it would be. I think it's in a sense of you want to see coaches, and I'll use a prime example, and you know this from college basketball. You know, when, when Jim Beheim finally won. Is Jim Bo- Beheim the most lovable character that ever was? No. But yeah. J- you respected Jim Beheim's body of work, and so when Beheim wins that game... But it didn't change my world. I didn't feel badly No, for no, him. but I'm just yeah, saying, like, I'm, I'm taking this from a big-picture right. perspective. You sit back and go, okay, here's a Hall of Famer who mm-hmm. finally got over the top. Sure. I think that would be the feeling if Kansas City won. It would be the acknowledgement that Andy... Who is in the top ten but in and this wins? Town, it's different because in this he was, town because he was involved. He was with ours it. for and and it didn't end well, which it, it often doesn't. It didn't end well for Tony Dungy in Tampa. It it doesn't. A lot of guys and Andy's son died, and he probably shouldn't have been coaching. And for whatever reason, those last two years, and I think people somehow hold that against him. And I don't people grieve quite, differently. No, but I I don't quite understand. Yeah, they weren't good his last couple of years. But that okay, was also that but, was also the the catch up of you were good for so long. You know, there's only a, one Patriots. They went to five NFC title champion. games in ten years. Now I'm not a brain surgeon. No, actually, in seven or eight eight years, I guess eight or nine, two thousand to two thousand eight. Right, yeah, that was the, so eight. Okay, and yeah, did they come up short in some of those games? And did Andy maybe not acquit himself well in some of those games? And yes. And that's what him and Donovan will always have to live with. Mm-hmm. And if they'd won the game in 2004, it, we, Donovan would probably get into the Hall of Fame. Andy's going to anyway, but it, it would have right. been like a done deal. But yeah, I'm not like openly rooting for him, but there would be a part of me that will feel good for him and our if ge- they do win. And our guest today will bring in on this conversation. It's John Clark uh, from uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh, NBC 10 uh, as well, who... Um, 
was just named the uh, sports. Uh, I'm sorry, the sports broadcaster of the year for Pennsylvania by the national by the National Sports Media Foundation <laughs> out of and Bob Ford, I think Charlotte and Bob award, Ford yeah. got the Writers Award. So. I got that in 2003. I think it was really? just my turn. Did you go to Charlotte? Or it was Raleigh, not Charlotte. No, Excuse when me. I did it, it was this little town called um, Salisbury. It was okay. really neat. And um, um, who was a guy that uh, used to write for Sports Illustrated? The bat, the last page. Uh, Rick Riley. Rick Riley, and I knew Rick, and he was getting the. Broadcaster of the year, we had a good time. It rained. Took Might my wife. Been a bad year for broadcasters if Riley got it. Mm, Riley was pretty good. No, not broadcasters. No. I, I maybe he was the writer. It had to be writer. Yeah, I'm thinking. Why? I, why did I say broadcaster? I didn't mean that. I was gonna say. No, I've I think, seen, I've I, seen I this think, TV work. It, it's Costas not real great. Got it. Actually, the year I was there, it might have been Costas, but um, or Buck. I think it was Buck. Right. But anyway, and it was neat. You know, we went down. We played golf. There was golf. There was you know whatever. We met this really neat couple from South Dakota. That we wound up palling around with for a while, but yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's a it's a nice honor. So we'll have John on here shortly. We'll also break into some of the other topics. Sixers, uh, as we're recording this, are going to be playing the Toronto Raptors. Uh, they've won four in a row. Ben so Simmons has looked great. Ben Simmons has looked incredible without shooting. Of course, everybody then goes, "Oh, you know, you need to keep Simmons, and you got to, you know, everybody chill." But it does remind you. Of why you can't trade him for Mike Conley Jr. or something like that. You can't do that. This is what he is, and he's going to have a lot more nights. He's not going to play like this every night, and there are going to be issues in the playoffs. There, and it may prevent them from winning championship or whatever. But you yeah. can't if get rid of a guy if who you're can trading do this. him. You've got to trade him for somebody like. A, they're not. No, no. I'm just saying. But if you do, you have to trade for somebody like a CJ McCollum, who has upside that's close to what you're not trading him for. CJ McCollum. I'm just. You're not. I, you're not trading a six ten guy for a six three guy. You're just not doing it. I'm sorry. It's because he can do extraordinary things. It's the one thing he doesn't do that's going to bug us forever. It's never going to go away. Plus, he's going to make the old defensive team. He might he's he won't get it because the guy in Utah will probably get the defensive player of the year, mm-hmm. Rudy. But he's in that conversation. Nobody ever talks about that. But because he won't freaking shoot a basketball, it frustrates us. It frustrates me. And at some point when you're playing a team maybe in a seven game series, the, that may be the thing that holds you back. The danger with Simmons is more not even the three point thing. It's not not about the three points. You're it's right. It's not about the three point thing. It's, I need to see you shoot. It's the 10-foot thing. I need to see you shoot in the fourth quarter. I need it's to see you happen. more aggressive in the fourth quarter. I, I, and especially when Embiid comes back, it's not going to happen. It, because he gets the ball. D-Lineham put it a great way. I was listening to her on the radio, and she goes, when he passes the ball, mm-hmm. he's never looking to get it back. Never. And I never thought of it that way, mm-hmm. but it's the truth. And I, I don't know. All right, so John will. But he's a tremendous talent. John will join us uh, right after this, and then later on, we'll talk a little potpourri of stuff. We'll talk um, a little Flyers. Uh, We mentioned the Sixers there. Going to have my boy James Wagner, the assistant commissioner of the CSAC on uh, the Colonial States Athletic Conference. For those of you who don't know, yeah, you better say what it is. Yeah, (laughs) it's almost like putting it on banners. Is Rosemont in that league? Yeah. (laughs) Don't you get me in trouble? I can say that. You didn't say it. I, I said didn't it. say a word. You know. Uh, um, anyway, 
Uh, so we'll talk to him who's at the NCAA convention and he's enjoying Mr. Kern's favorite specialty. Although Mike has a problem. And since we're killing time here until I get John on the line, uh, state your problem with what Wags did before that, before that, we got to mention Rosemont's coach, Barney, yeah, our friend, your friend got his hundredth win recently. Well, I'm just saying that yep. it's a hundredth win. Not a lot of guys get to hundred wins. So, oh. you know, good for him. Um, yeah, you can't, first of all, this must be a new item at Jack in the Box, mini tacos. Um, it was fine. And it might be great for kids, it, whatever. Nah. Nah, and I don't even know what they, like, I just sort of picture them, so I'm not, I'm still trying okay. to wrap my arms around what exactly they are, but the, the regular taco, you can open up so that you can put some hot sauce in it, you can do whatever, and to me, you either go that way or you go monster taco. Okay, so to do this properly... I was at the supermarket today, and yeah, those things don't look good. And sorry, uh, and I got a but, box. But not supposed to look good. Of mini tacos, yeah. which are a, a little thing you put in the oven for like ten minutes. Yeah, it's nah. an appetizer. Nah, give it a try. No, why not? Because I because first of all, I just ate dinner. Um, no, I, I if I went to Jack in the Box and you bought me the mini tacos, I'm not eating them. I'm going to get regular tacos because I get them extra sauce, extra cheese. And they're two for a buck. And I don't, you know, they might be delicious. They are delicious. That's funny. I'm not knocking Has them. Has a little cheese in them? See, see, I know how Jack and the Butt did. Jack, you get the extra cheese. And then it really gets good. It's got a little lettuce. They got no lettuce because you can't put lettuce in a mini taco. Um, Can't put hot sauce in there. You got to dip it in what in that. Salsa. Ain't the same thing. No? It, um, it, it might be perfect for some people. I'm not, you know, like I said, kids, you know, I'm an adult. It's okay. Do you have proof on this? Not really. <laughs> I, I mean, I still don't get on some of the rides at Hershey Park, but that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole other issue. You know, right. Like the like, like colors, you know, you got to be orange, you yeah. got to be the Hershey bar, or you, whatever. What rides? Like the Super Duper Looper or whatever I it is? I can't go on any of the... First of all, my vertigo now, like, mm-hmm. but I was never... I was afraid of heights. Mm-hmm. So anything... Now, I would go on all those rides... I can't do that now, but anything that's spun around, that was my thing. Then my wife would have to take my kids on, like, if the, in the, the other stuff, because I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. And they got some hellacious roller coasters at some of those places. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. We'll be back with John Clark here on Work of the Beat. Beat. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way? This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work of the Beat podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. And joining us now from NBC Sports Philadelphia, the and uh NBC, I still say Comcast. And then well, I'm sorry. You're I just, way behind. And I don't want I don't want like I don't want like Maureen mad at me. So I know, and that's why I'm saying I it's it put it all on me. Right. I don't care. And from uh, NBC ten and also named the uh sportscaster of the year for the state of Pennsylvania. Uh I heard one guy didn't vote for him. 
Yeah, one guy didn't vote. It's John Quasi Unanimous. John, how are you? How are you doing? Well, at least I didn't get the uh, percentage of votes that uh, Bobby Abreu got. I guess it was, what, 5% he actually got? He's still on the, the, he's still on the yeah, ballot, kept John, him on the ballot. That's which, all that yeah. matters. You know? Amazing. Um, all right, I'm, I'm going to hit as much as possible. One, I got to ask you, you are one of the most positive people I've ever met in this business, especially. Um, how, you know, how many times do you, I mean, how many times do you kind of have to, to put something on where you're maybe not feeling as great about what's going on around here at at times? You know what I mean? Like put a happy face on to some kind of bad situations. Yeah. I mean, local news is a little different than, you know, talk radio or things like that, because on local news, people generally want to see people that are at least happy people or positive people um, and not negative all the time. But when teams are going bad, um, you know, I, I, I will be open about it and just say, Hey, boy, they're really struggling with this. Um, but when you're doing sports casts and things like that, they generally want to see somebody who's having a good time and enjoying what you're doing. But sometimes it, it is so bad that, uh, you know, you need to just put the facts out there. And I usually just let the facts speak for themselves. Um, and from growing up here, I think I have a tone. Um, you can probably tell when the teams have won and you right. can tell when they've lost. And, and the fact that you grew up here and you've seen all this, I mean, the institutional knowledge you have of what the fan base feels around here, I think is, is pretty valuable. Uh, how much do you think that helps you that you know, you're a temple guy, you grew up around here, you know, you know, everything about what, how these people feel. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's uh, especially beneficial in our field, just kind of understanding what it is, the mood that Philadelphia sports fans are feeling and what it, what it is they want at certain times. Um, you know, like uh, I was there the other night with Mike Kern and, and Jay Wright and you guys, Kevin, he received the award and he said it best. It's like, it's great coaching in Philadelphia for a college basketball team, because <laughs> when, when the Eagles are going, you know, Hey, we can, we can have a little bit of a losing streak or whatever. Nobody's going to care. And then if, if we do get, uh, quick exit in the NCAA tournament. There's always something else that people are going to care more about. And uh, I think it's just the mood of what the town is feeling at all times. Like right now, right now, I think you guys probably get it. The mood is, I think Andy Reid is a sentimental favorite right now for mm-hmm. most people. Um, I've done a lot of Twitter polls. I've seen a lot of other polls. The one spot that you see more negativity come out is, is the sports talk radio. And I think that is generally just going to be a little more negative because people are calling into vent and uh, they, they want to let some stuff out. But I, you know, I think the mood of the city is right now it's time for Andy to win one. Like they, they want him to win one. It's funny, John, that you bring up Jay, because I remember Jay telling us once, I think Kentucky called him. I think this was back when they hired Billy Gillespie and, Jay, and he didn't even want to talk to him. He was happy where he was at, and he and then something happened that year. Some kid got in trouble. I don't know. It was a minor thing, and you know we wrote four graphs about it. And he saw us like the next day, and he goes, "You know, in Lexington, that's a headline for three days." <laughs> and he goes up here, you know. And I think Jay really enjoys that, and I think there are a lot of coaches that can enjoy that. But and I think people were trying to tell Joe Girardi the other night, if at the pro level, if you win, it's great. If you don't win, 
you know, maybe not so much. No, you're exactly right. And uh, I think, I think the toughest job in town is obviously Eagles coach. Um, but Philly's manager might be second because there's nothing else going on during the summer. Yeah. And everybody is watching these games, whether you're back in Philly or down the shore and every, every single move that managers make are kind of in slow motion. And so that's really the only thing you can pick apart for a couple months during the summer. So I think Philly's manager is real tough uh, because they'll dissect everything. And, uh, but, but, but I, I agree with Jay, Wright, and, and I think Jay has a great expression. Don't mess with happy when you're in a good situation mm-hmm. and you know, you have it good. Don't mess with it. Uh, and that's, and that's honestly what I, what I think I have here in Philly growing up here and you guys here. I mean, I, I think you guys would agree that Philadelphia is such a special place because sports is like the Hollywood of Philadelphia or, you know, for New York and LA, they have so many other things going on. Philadelphia, our identity as a city is sports. Well, and, and I, I love that. John, the, the I think Stu Bykowski used to say there were two things that drew the celebrity page in Philadelphia. One was sports and athletes two was news news people you know people on television i mean you know the you know people took more interest in in those things than they do in other parts of the country i mean if you think about it so yeah it's kind of fascinating all right let me get you the andy reed situation um not situation but you mentioned it that that people are willing to you know, there, there's a lot of people who are willing to get on the bandwagon right now because they want to see Andy win a title. And Andy right now is a Hall of Famer, I think, whether he wins or loses I, this game. Yeah, because he's going to coach more games. Right. Um, but there's still a lot of people who are kind of on the fence about him because maybe the way it ended in, in Jacksonville in Super Bowl 39, you, know, you hear people talk about the, the character of some of the players he's brought in. I mean, you were close to Andy. Um, I, I view him as almost like a father Flanagan figure that he wants, he thinks he can, he can fix everybody and he can heal everybody. And he maybe takes a risk on some people that other coaches, not maybe not that other coaches maybe shies away from. How do you view that? Yeah. And I, and I definitely think that that did come to the forefront, uh, after he lost his son, Mm -hmm. uh, because he had ups and downs with his son, you know, they, they went to rehab together. And I think he does believe in helping people and giving them second chances. And that's, you know, he brought in Michael Vick after that. Right. And I remember asking him at that press conference, do you think that you make this move, uh, before you went through what happened with your son? And, you know, he didn't really truly answer it, but I I do believe that. And I, I tell you, if you look at the core of Andy Reed, um, I think he is a good guy. And, and, and I say that because look what he does for his assistant coaches. Remember when John Harbaugh, he was special teams coach of the mm-hmm. year every year, great special teams coach, but he could never get a head coaching interview because they said, oh, he's a special teams coach. So what did Andy do? Bumped the he, linebackers. He said, uh, defensive backs. Defensive backs, like, okay, rather, right. Yeah, here, here, you're going to coach the defensive backs. Look what he did with Doug Peterson, allowing him to call plays some of the time. You see it in these playoffs. He is pushing Eric B He is letting him call some plays and be active to try to get him a promotion. So he looks out for his assistant coaches. Uh, he also uh, has, has really pushed those guys to get jobs. And, and that's why I say, and I think a lot of people agree, the Eagles would not win their first Super Bowl without Andy Reid. Number one, 
gave Doug Peterson his coaching start, but also really pushed the Eagles to hire him. And he drafted Nick Foles and talked him out of retirement. And without those central figures, the Eagles don't win a Super Bowl. So I think Andy Reid, yes, he does have some drawbacks uh, as as a head coach. Um, but the number one thing I think that he does extremely well uh, is identify and find franchise quarterbacks. And that's not easy. No. Because you go, you go back to that draft with Donovan – and you had Tim Couch, you had Achilles Smith, you had Cade McNown, you had Dante Culpepper. Uh, and then look what he did with uh, with Patrick Mahomes. He trades up for him. And we know about other teams that passed over, uh, you know, went, oh, we don't need Patrick Mahomes. We don't think he's a franchise quarterback. And they trade up and go get other quarterbacks. So I think Andy, number one, identifies quarterbacks. And I think he's a heck of a play caller. And he is ahead of the curve every step of the way in the NFL when it comes to designing plays. Yeah. And the interesting thing is Deshaun Watson went two picks behind Mahomes. Uh, if Andy had taken yeah. him, I don't think that would have been a bad choice here. But my thought on Andy is this, John, whatever you think about it, and I know it wasn't good at the end, and I think a lot of it had to do with his kids and, and what was going on, but he created something that lasted for a decade. It was the best decade of Eagles football. They didn't win a Super Bowl. They got the five NFC title games in nine years, I think, I'm going to guess, and they lost four of them, uh, some at home, but he drafted Donovan. And it's and whatever you think of Donovan and him, Donovan at one point was like the third or fourth best quarterback in the league. And I just think people lose sight of that because of what happened in the Super Bowl and because of what happened in those championship games, and I don't think it's entirely fair. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with you on that. Uh, I agree with you about drafting Donovan. His other best decision was basically hiring Jim Johnson and yeah. saying, you run the defense. Um, and, and, and look, uh, I've always wondered about the town that I grew up in because Buddy Ryan was forever more popular yep. than Andy Reid, and he never won one playoff game. How about that? Yeah. With one of the greatest defenses you could put on a field. And, and a pretty good quarterback. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> and, and, yeah. And, and I think, I think Andy did not help himself because in the press conferences, he came across as a little dismissive and didn't want to take the time to answer things. If he would have just been a little more friendly in those press conferences, I think your average person may have felt differently about him. Like you could tell Charlie Manuel, he was always willing and open mm -hmm. to talk about things with the media. And Andy just kind of shut it down. And I get he never, and it's a good policy. He never wanted to dime out any of his players publicly. That's a great policy because you'll have the players backing you at all times. And I think Doug Peterson does that as well. But you need to be a little bit more media friendly because it helps you when you're having those down years. People might give you the benefit of the doubt publicly. Um, but I think you're right on with, with what you said. Uh, before Andy Reid came into Philadelphia's Eagles coach. I remember that uh, those couple years before, most of the games were blacked out. Yep. And they had trouble selling tickets. And I even think they had to sell a bunch of tickets uh, to not have a playoff game blacked out. Against the uh, the first game against the Buccaneers was in 2000. Pushing. 2001. Yeah, it was awful close. Yeah. And I think yeah. it was on Fox. And I think Fox had to buy yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah, the the first one against Tampa. Hey, John, yeah. you're close to the Eagles, so I'm I'm going to ask you this: Are 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 we seeing anything close to white smoke here on an offensive coordinator soon? I mean, Deuce Staley has been named, you know, mentioned. Jim Caldwell's name's kicked around. 
about five guys that turned the job down or turned an opportunity to interview for the job down. Like, where are they right now with this? Well, you know, it's a tough job to sell somebody on because, you know, technically they're not offensive coordinator because, you know, Doug Peterson calls the plays. Um, And I don't think that Deuce Staley needs to have the name offensive coordinator to kind of up his up his game because right now in his job, he's already involved in the game planning during the week. Right. And he would not be calling the plays as the offensive coordinator. So I think what they were looking for was just somebody with a little bit of an outside opinion or an outside view to bring them in and in the game planning during the week, you know, maybe a little more motion in the offense and, and some other things uh, that you see maybe from the 49ers. Uh, so I think I think they wanted to try to get another voice or another set of eyes with some other ideas coming from outside the organization. And it's hard to bring that in when you're not offering them the opportunity to call the place. John, they, they have a lot of things to do this offseason. I think most of us would agree, even to get back into just being a, a, a playoff team next year. You know, again, what is the biggest thing you think they have to do this offseason? Well, uh, look, I think football is pretty simple when you're trying to build a team. Number one, franchise quarterback. I believe they have that. Number two is protect the quarterback. You see that in the playoffs every time. When an offensive line can't protect the quarterback, the offense uh, can't do anything. And number three, rush the quarterback. I think they need to have a better pass rush because Mm – when you have a better pass rush, it makes your defensive backs look better. And the number one thing I think is they need to have another guy to rush the passer. I do think they need to go out and get a new cornerback. I totally agree with that. But I think, number one, they need another piece for the defensive line to get after the quarterback. And I think the receiver position, I think I think Deshaun Jackson will be back because that element of speed uh, – takes away a safety, uh, allows you to run the ball more uh, without that safety in the box, and it, it, it opens up things for the tight end. So I think Deshaun Jackson will be back, and, and maybe they draft a, a receiver in one of the first couple rounds. Yeah, it's a very so, deep receiver draft, so it would make yeah. sense. Two things, yeah. John. One, So their first-round pick, from what you're saying to me, which direction – because they need a cornerback, they probably need a receiver – which direction do you think they're going to go in? And do you think going down the road, they can afford to keep both their tight ends? Well, the first question, um, I, I honestly think that you really do have to take the best player. Okay. Uh, that, that, that is there. I mean, I, if you vary from that and you draft on need, you wind up, you wind up drafting uh, Watkins okay. for, for an yeah. offensive lineman. You know, you, you have to draft the best player. But I think if it's, if it's a toss-up. I'd almost saying, forgotten hey, about him. Thanks. <laughs> so if you're if if you're uh deciding between two players that you think are even, I would go defensive end or okay, even yeah. defensive tackle because you know you your your best player on defense, um you could say your most valuable is Malcolm Jenkins or Fletcher Cox, but your best player is Fletcher Cox. And if you can get him somebody else on that line. It's all about getting one-on-ones and getting mismatches. So I think you need another pass rusher or a corner. So I would I would go with either of those. I think receiver, you can probably get one um, 
in another round because as Kevin said, it's, it's deep. Um, but, I, but I, those would be my choices right there. What about the tight ends? Do you think they can go so, forward with those? Because I think it's a good thing, but I've listened to all these people lately that tell me with what, what they need. You can't well, have both those guys on the, the team. depends on what you do. If you package one of them to try right. to fill right. an area And need. what they're going to have to pay them, I guess, right. is another thing. So uh, Yeah, you know, it, that is that is going to be a huge question going forward because you've got a couple guys that want their, their contracts. Malcolm Jenkins wants his contract redone, and Zach Ertz, um, he has two more years left, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he really, he really wants to be paid as a top, top tight end. Uh, so you're, you're going to have to do something maybe after this season or possibly you do something, you know, before the season, but it would be really difficult when it comes time for Dallas Goddard to get his money to pay both of them at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be real difficult. Um, Dallas Goddard amazingly has more catches in his first two years than Zach Ertz did in his first two years. And Zach had more catches than anybody in NFL history for a tight end in his first five or six seasons. So, so you're talking about a, a trajectory for Dallas Goddard that this guy could be a stud. Yeah. So I think that's a great question and it, it probably won't be answered for the next year or so, but I think it would be difficult to pay both of them. John Clark from NBC sports, Philadelphia joins us. Hey John, let me switch it to the Phillies. Uh, you know, probably, Guess what? 15, 16 days away from going to spring training or something like that. Um, you used to know this. I used to know this. I yeah, don't you. know it as much anymore. <laughs> um, are, are they good enough right now as, as a team to contend in this division? Well, you asked me earlier when something isn't as positive. Uh, I'm worried. I'm worried that they are not good enough and that they haven't done enough. Uh, starting I don't think pitching? they have enough pitching. Starting pitching and the bullpen. I don't think they've done enough. They just signed seven uh, guys. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're all in minor six, league contracts. Six, so six of them may not see March. But go ahead. <laughs> they yeah. were good at one Some, point, though, yeah. all of them. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and this is this is like, hey, let's uh, let's invite four or five uh, bargain. We're, we're bargain hunting. Uh, let's see if one of these guys can pan out and, and make the team uh, kind of thing. So I, I just – Look, I, you see how stacked the Nats are with pitching. Um, you see the Braves and the young players that they have. And then the Mets. The Mets you know, rotation is pretty good. I mean, exactly, exactly. And you cannot count on Jake Arrieta to be healthy. And you can't count on your four and five. So uh, it's a tough way to go into a season. Because if you start having these, you know, two or three spots out of the rotation that are given up you know, four, five runs, six runs every game, then it doesn't matter what your lineup does. You're not going to win. And Marcus Hayes brought it up in his column the last couple of days. You know, there's the uncertainty at third and second about what they're going to do with Kingery. He feels the Kingery. I out. think he should be their third starter. <laughs> at this point, why not? <laughs> I mean, for a team that's at the luxury tax payroll, and I've this has been kind of my mantra all, all off season. For a team that's at the luxury tax payroll, uh, you know, ceiling almost, you know, at the, at the limit, how do you have this many holes when you when you're basically paying almost two hundred? You're paying two hundred and some million dollars. It's a good question, and you know, once you decide to pay Bryce Harper, and once you're paying McCutcheon, and you're paying Segura, what fifteen and seventeen million dollars each, right? Right. And Jake Arrieta making twenty five million. Um, to me. You got to be all in. 
you know, you, you gotta be willing to pay that because if you're paying Bryce Harper and you sign him to that big deal and you've got some veterans like Arietta and McCutcheon and Segura, that then, then be all in and try to try to win now. Yeah. If you've got that payroll and you're spending that amount of money, go a little bit further. Um, and, and you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of big salaries on this team and you're going to have to pay JT real Muto too. So, um, yeah, I, I I'm worried. I don't think that they have enough, and I think the division, I mean, is this really division good. is is, really is, is going to be the toughest in baseball, right? Yeah, I would think. I mean, yeah, the the, the national or the American League East is going to take a step back, I think, because the Red Sox may end up trading, uh, you know, either Bradley or Betts or something in here, and and it's going to be pretty much Yankees, and that's it. Yankees and maybe the Rays, but you know, and and here's the other question on this, John. You know. It's year five for Matt Clintack and Andy McPhail. And John Middleton's put a lot of pressure on these guys to get this turnaround quick. And, you know, they talk, you know, the, the comment last year was we want it to be the quickest turnaround and all that. If they don't do it this year. Something's got to change in the front office. You've changed managers a couple times. That's the logical step, isn't it? Uh, I, w- I would think so, yes. Um, especially when John Middleton steps in and decides that, I know Matt, you have evaluated Gabe Kapler, and you sh- you believe he should be back, but I disagree with that evaluation. And so he has, you know, he has stepped in and said, "I don't agree." This is basically what he said yeah. by firing Gabe Kapler. I don't agree with your evaluation of your manager, and I'm making a change, and I'm doing it. Um, so I think at that point, once that happens, um, I, I, in my opinion, Matt Klintak just doesn't have the same standing anymore. Yeah. And, and I, and I do think, um, I do think, you know, when you bring in a high profile guy like Joe Girardi, um, that he will probably soon have the main voice. Yeah, I do too. When, yeah. when it comes to players and, and people that he wants on his team. You know, John, the interesting thing, the, the, the opening number I think in Vegas was 85 and a half. And my initial inclination was to say, okay, I'd probably bet the over. But I'm telling you, like, right now, I'm just not sure. I think Joe's going to make a difference. But like you said, if you don't have players, you don't have players. But if let's say, because there's different degrees of not making, you know, if they win 87, 88 games and don't make the playoffs, I think people could live with that. I don't think anybody's going to have some. But let's say for the sake of argument, they only win like 82 or 83 for whatever reasons. You know, the fan base, you know, I don't think is going to take that real well. No, and, and, and I think it would come down to the pitching. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I think, and I think then, then Matt Klentak may have to pay the price for that. Yeah. Final, final baseball question for you, and then we'll we'll let you go. Uh, Kurt Schilling yesterday got the seventy percent in the Hall of Fame vote. He's going to be in Cooperstown next summer, isn't he? I, I think so. And uh, you know, Kurt Schilling is a very interesting argument because I am in total agreement with the people who say he should be a Hall of Famer. Uh, because of what he did in the postseason, those are the biggest moments, mm-hmm. and those are the moments where, you know, game on the line, a game seven, you need somebody who wants the ball and will back it up with a Hall of Fame performance, and that's what he did, um, and that's one of the reasons why I think Eli Manning should be a Hall of Famer, yeah. because those are the moments where everything is on the line. That those are the moments you want these guys to shine the most, and when they do. You got to consider them Hall of Famers. So, so I think Kurt Schilling, there's probably a stretch for 10 years where 
well, maybe not 10 years, uh, where I would say, who do you want with the ball on the mound? Yeah, well, there's and, nobody good that's getting on the ballot next year for the first time, guys. Right, so. And he's, he's the next guy, right? So you would think. But what, do you think people are afraid of his 15 minutes at the podium? And I'm not saying that that would make people vote because obviously they gave oh, him 70% so. of the vote. So I, I think, think some people voted that way this year. Yeah, but, I mean, that's really going to be no. an anxious moment for baseball, isn't it? It was an anxious move on uh, day on Daily News Live when he was on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I think. Um, do you think Kurt would be above that? That he would yes, say, hey. I, I do. Okay. I, I, has, has anybody ever done that or taken it to that level in a Hall of Fame speech? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not even I, not even Lefty, and we all know Lefty's a little bit of a flake as well. I mean, you know, but yeah, I I I don't think in that moment, uh, I can't remember anyone going beyond rogue. Yeah, going rogue exactly, um, mm-hmm. going off the reservation. I really don't. And uh, I saw a good interview with Kurt yesterday with Bob Costas, where mm-hmm. he says it does hurt him that people think of him a certain way, and. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's laid low a little bit, right? Recently, yeah. Yeah. uh, for a little while. And that might be because of, you know, the hall of fame was approaching, but, uh, I don't think that you, I, me personally, I would not be worried of what would happen, but you know what? I think it does show that, that certain beliefs and, uh, thoughts that you have in your mind do come into play when people are voting for these kinds of things. I, because- I guess he doesn't go in as a Philly. Uh, he I mean, may, he may have nothing on his hat. Yeah, but I, you know, yeah. I think if he if he gets in and makes his speech and doesn't turn it into anything goofy, I think that would be so cool because I think pe- that would make them people root for him more. Yeah. You know, more than they do maybe now. Some of them. There's going to be some yeah. that will never vote for him. Though, or root True. For him, though. Well, that's okay. I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, John, I got to ask you before we let you go. All right, everybody knows you as the airport guy. Okay. And we and you are the best at John getting. John goes to the airport. John goes to the airport. Okay, and, and you you are the best at getting athletes as they get off a plane or, or you know or going out or whatever. Have you ever been burned by going to the airport and the guy didn't show? Oh yeah, Steve Adazio. <laughs> oh, <just. laughs> um, oh yeah, definitely uh, Manny Diaz. No. Um, uh, no, I mean, yeah, it's happened where things are just crossed up. Um, and, and I'll, I'll give you one example. Um, I, I went to the airport the, the night that, uh, Jordan Matthews was traded by the Eagles Okay, and Ronald Darby was coming in at the exact same time as Jordan Matthews was flying out and had a choice to make. Do I try to get a couple questions with Ronald Darby as he arrives, or do I try to, you know, get a quick couple questions with Jordan Matthews as he goes. Now it's tougher to try to find somebody as they're leaving, as, yep. uh, you know, arrivals are better than departures. That's true. Cause you don't know, you don't know when they're, you know, arriving at the airport to take a flight out, but missed a, missed a great, you know, sign of uh, friendship when it was revealed that Carson Wentz dropped off, Jordan Matthews at the airport there and gave him a big hug and, and Jordan was very upset. So it probably would have been better to try to get a couple questions with Jordan Matthews uh, after being traded. But yeah, there's been times where uh, either, either they're not on the flight. Alan Iverson uh, missed several flights when he was rejoining the I'm Sixers stunned on that one. airport for six hours. Yeah. But uh, you got him at TGI Fridays. You just went over and waited for him <laughs> yeah. and it was all good. 
That's right. So, John, John is not supposed to be easy. Yeah. Hey, John, when, when spring's it's a great in, lesson in life, it's a great lesson in life. It's never supposed to be easy. Hey, hey, hey John, here's the question I always ask you. When, when's, when's Bruce going back on tour? Please. Boy, I, I wish you could tell me. I, I mean, I hear, I hear that hopefully the end of this year that he will, he, he at least told an Australian newspaper that, uh, he's going to be, uh, in Australia by the end of the year. So hope, hopefully he starts in the States and then hits Australia. But yeah, so uh, I, hopefully by the end of the year. John John is John is the biggest Springsteen fan I know. I, I, I don't know. Boop's pretty big one. No, uh, he J- John's better. Okay, John, John's I'm not bigger. saying he's not. I'm hey, just saying. Hey, you know, you know who is uh, Phil Martelli? Huge Bruce Bruce. Really? Guy. There you go. I didn't know that. Huge Bruce guy. He, uh, Phil and Jay Wright were both at the last Citizens Bank Park show, and I won't reveal, but uh, the last Wells Fargo Center show. Uh, one of them had to pay a lot more than the cover price to get their tickets and get in. Really? Yeah. Wow. So they're big. They're big boss fans. Are they floor guys like you? No, no. Most people aren't. They. Uh, you love the floor. They, I know that. I do. I just like being as close to seeing the band and and the passion. Like you can see the passion on Bruce's face mm-hmm. and 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 just. Being up close, you you just you get such a, a feel for the music, and I I love being in the pit for music. Just How many times have the, you seen him, John? Uh, nowhere near as much as Big Daddy. Okay. Him, <laughs> okay. Or Chris Mad Dog Russo. Uh, Chris Russo's seen him like 130 times or something, but I've seen him probably 30 times. Okay, okay. that's pretty. Low. And I'm at I'm at 10, I think. So I'm really that, that, that's pretty good. Double digits. I'm in double digits. All right, John, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll hope to, I'll see you down the ballpark soon. Go out to the airport and see if anybody's coming in. Uh, I'll find our uh, our next uh, reliever off the scrap heap that they're bringing in. <laughs> there you go. Uh, here's a hint. They're probably coming in more of 30th Street than, than they are at the airport at this point. Actually, they're probably taking an Uber. That's right. Thanks, John. Appreciate right, it. see you. <laughs> John Clark from NBC Sports Philadelphia, who uh, was a good line. Manny, is a, Manny Diaz. When I threw out a Dazio, he came back. With, that was pretty good. Temple, You Temple guys, man, you just... Uh, Steven Dizer, one of my least. Favorite. I you yeah. have mentioned this. Yeah, it's just you know I, I never knew obviously Manny Diaz. He just you know he just you know got a better job offer two weeks later. I mean it it happens. What are you going to do? Um. Oh, okay. I'm just I had a news update. A regular Ben news Simmons update. almost took a shot. He thought about no no he, he was he was like he was in the lane about breaking eight. news no it's funny I'm watching here while we're we we get the game on uh-huh. and he got the ball and he kind of like went nah <laughs> I thought I was gonna have to break in like and say yeah. by the way <laughs> Jesus uh but they're winning so you know what the heck uh when we look at it or you know when we talk about the Phillies you know the way. And you mentioned about the scrap heap guys, the Drew Storns of the world. Well, you know these guys better than I do. I just see names that I recognize, but the reason I recognize them is from five years ago. I mean, they're, Uriano, tr- they're right? Try- yeah, they're trying to get guys who are low risk. You they're, know, they're trying to find, and it happens in baseball mm-hmm. sometimes. You find that magic in the bottle where maybe Liriano's the guy, maybe Soren's the guy. I don't know this, but neither do they. But relievers you have are, a little trouble with an idea of a store and who hasn't pitched in. But relievers are so weird, Kevin. You know that. I mean, you can go oh, out and pay I, I a lot of money it, for a guy that was great last year. I, I know it, but he's got a Mets guy. He was great, right? 
Yeah. And then he came to New York and just like oh, D- got lit uh, up Diaz. like a Christmas tree. Right? Diaz, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the Liriano one, though, is interesting to me. Um, but like Ken on Drew Storner hasn't pitched since 17. I, I just, I don't and know. And you're going to have to figure this out in spring training, really, because they they're, they're all going to go to spring training. They have right? 25 non roster invitees. Yeah. See, I'll, I'm camp. more concerned. Even last year, they scratched the bullpen together. The second half of the year, they weren't horrible. But we you might, can't, I might not but know you can't rely on that. No, no, no. Back. But what scares me more is the starting pitching. Because well, pitching is. If Arietta is, is not at least good, right. like if he's not the three, you got problems because they're going to throw the same guys that they've been throwing out there for the last two, three, four years at you. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. Like I'm supposed to believe all of a sudden that Vinny Velasquez is going to Figure it out. Well, I found it interesting what Girardi said during the sports writer banquet the other night, which was, well, you know, beforehand in the media session. Uh, Zach Eflin's not guaranteed a job, which I found interesting. Nobody should be guaranteed a job. But of all those guys, yeah, Eflin was the one who. Maybe he's trying to. And he compared Velasquez to Batances. Yeah, that's not a good comparison. Oh, that he's going to make him a reliever. he's going to make him a reliever. I've been saying that. Now, I'm not a baseball guy. You guys are. I mean, I. I. I've been saying for years, why not? You know, it seems like he's the kind of guy, because he throws yeah. hard, mm-hmm. and that's what relievers do now. They throw hard, and they come in for an inning. Yep. And that's all you're asking him to do. And most of the time, it seems like Velasquez's problem is in the third or fourth or fifth inning yep. that he's trying to get through. But, I, but I'm like I said, do you think you could convince him of that? I don't know. Because if he can become Dylan Patances, mm-hmm. that'd be pretty good. Yeah. I'm not holding my breath. I'm not holding my breath either. But, so. you know, you have, look, you have a new manager with fresh ideas, fresh approaches. Some guys might buy in. Some guys might not buy in. You, you said Joe Girardi sometimes can be, you know, not the most huggable guy, right? No, he can he can kick okay. a guy in the rump. Is that what they need? I, You've been down there enough. Compared compared to what Yeah, compared to what they had? Yes. He's an, he's a major upgrade. And even the guy before him. Um... Pete was okay. But Pete was Pete, o- right. He's okay. I'm not knocking Pete, but he's the best manager they've had since Charlie. Yeah, absolutely. Because he was better. Yeah, okay. He's better, and Ryan. he's probably, if you want to look at it, dating back to nineteen. You know what? Since like 1985, I would say Francona. Well, Charlie obviously is number one. Fergosi two. But Fergosi only had the one really good year. I mean, I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying. No, but Fergosi kept them together. For, yeah. They played hard for Fergosi. But that was a weird group that, that came together to yeah, one year. Yeah. Uh, I'll give them that. I'm not going to take it away from them. Um, and Francona wasn't a manager yet. He was learning and Francona with a bad team. No, he had a bad team. By the way, getting back to the Hall of Fame vote, um, you know, there, there's a couple things here. One, the guy who voted. Not, I don't care. I don't care. I, I don't. That, that, that's I'm, just Joe DiMaggio didn't get like 139 votes the first year. He, I mean, we went through this the last time. It, the, the the reason that that writers are vote, and I'm not saying writers aren't the best people to be right. voting for it, but, but I'm just saying is it's a flawed system. It and, and there's a number of guys, any mm. number of guys who should be unanimous. If Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb aren't unanimous, unless you're not voting for Ty because he's an idiot or. You didn't like the fact that Babe Ruth ate 55 hot dogs before a game one time. I mean, it's Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. I know Mickey, Ma- Ma- Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, uh, 
Mickey. Yeah, the one. I mean, you, there, there's like the one explanation, and I told you this on a text last night. It the, doesn't. It, yeah. No, but the I'm one a, possible explanation is somebody felt like I needed to get a guy. Don't care. Yeah, don't care. But no. find it from somebody else. Well, first, th- th- here's what you do. You got your ballot. You put Jeter down. And then you go for your next nine. Okay, I got nine. Yeah, you got nine. And and if somebody, if one, if you, if you really need that Jeter vote that badly to get Mike Kern in in you know up to five percent or something, that, that's wrong. It, it, it's there are some guys you're over, you're you know, overthinking the Hall of Fame. As far as I'm concerned, that. he is a unanimous selection. But I mean, Tom Seaver got like what ninety seven or ninety eight. Yeah. But I mean, Hank Aaron, really, Willie Mays, who people still say was the best. All around player. It would have been interesting if Bob or Barry Bonds didn't have this. Well, um, and that was going to be point two. Bonds and Clemens aren't getting in. Well, they are. I, I wouldn't say right now. They still they have two more years, right? Two more years. Okay, around so next 60%. year. Okay, but next year, let's say showing gets gets in. Let, let's say that. I'm assuming because the guys who are coming on the ballot aren't going to change it, right? Right. None of those guys. I don't think. No. Okay. So a lot of people probably so showing has to get ten percent more to vote for five percent. More to vote for him. Probably will happen. I'm guessing. Yeah. But the next two guys who are likely to move up are Bonds and Clemens. I'm not saying they're going to make 75 next year. But what if they get to, I don't know, 68? But here's the Who's thing. Who's coming on the year but after But even that? this year, well, it's A-Rod and Ortiz. Well, were they holding against A-Rod? Wasn't yeah. A-Rod accused yeah. of lying and cheating and all yeah. that kind of crap? I don't think A-Rod gets in. And Ortiz too, right? He, I think Ortiz has a better shot. No, but he had, but he only had the failed sample test, which was supposed to be not. Oh, yeah, but released. see, to me, we're. I'm we're just telling in, you that. No, no, that, no, no. But we're getting into semantics now. Like, what did Barry fail? He didn't fail anything, as far as I know. And that's why and I Clemens, right? But so, if, if you're saying, but Ortiz only had the. Well, no, he had more than Bonds and Clemens, but at least officially. But it's different than the Manny Ramirez and Rodriguez cases. I, I guess I just think that two years from now. I don't think they get in. But I think it's going to be really close. I, I think it'll they, be... They've hit a ceiling here. I don't know. Because, like I said, next year, people will vote for... Show. Some some more people will probably vote for Kurt. Who is below Clemens and... Um, and well, Bonds, Omar, who, who Omar, take, Omar Vizquel got up to 52%. Okay. But, but again, I'm saying, who's going to... Like, is there... There's not enough guys who people are going to say, okay, I'm putting 10 names down here. Some of those people that voted for those two, I think... I mean, it didn't vote for those two. I think might vote for him next time. But some of the guys who did make a leap, you know, Scott Rowland got the thirty six percent this year from seventeen. Okay, see, I don't think of Scott as, as a Hall of Famer, but, but, but yeah. But I'm, the point is yeah. that there's a serious momentum surge now that you saw with Larry Walker. Yeah, but let's see Rowland go from that to fifty to fifty or so, which yeah. is which could happen. It, it could anything can happen. I mean, and again, like I read a story today. I think it was on ESPN, so I'm not sure who wrote it. And they were just discussing, like, apparently, Rowan's war, and I don't even know what war is. Wins against replacement. I understand that, but, I mean, whatever. His war was really good. It's he's like he's like one the, of the top ten. He's one of the top, top ten, ten third, third basemen. Baseman. Okay, and, and, okay, so if that's going to be your your crux. That's why I put him on my ballot. And Fiscal apparently won, like, 11 gold gloves, I guess, or whatever number. 3,000 hits. Yeah, I mean, t- see, to me. They have 21 years, but go ahead. Yeah, 3,000 hits for a shortstop? Yeah, not many of those guys around. No, um, sabermetric me- people freak out about Vizquel though. I because uh, they say can you he's a compiler, can you not to- have skill and be a great player? What what says you have to be Willie Mays? 
Like, not everybody that comes up is Willie Mays. You know, some guys maybe just get the most out of what they had. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that if you were good enough to be an 11-time, not five times, that's All-star. 11 times, or go, wasn't or it Gold Glove? Gold Glove. Um, and you're giving me, now, if he had 2,000 hits and 10 Gold Gloves, maybe, yeah, okay. I don't know. 3,000 hits, there's only like 30 of those guys? I don't know. I've about lost 40, count. About 40. It's grown, okay, but that's still pretty yeah. significant. <laughs> I mean, I look, I look at it like this. I mean, those type of guys are going to take a thing, but Bonds and Clemens went from 59 to 60 this year. Yeah. Do you think A-Rod ever gets in? No. Okay. I think I think what we've learned is if you have the PED scarlet letter and you're known to have the PED scarlet letter, there's a ceiling here. See, I thought Ortiz had two. I thought there was the one that wasn't, and, and there was like, I, I thought he had another brush with that somewhere along the way later but in not his career. official. Not official. But Barry Bonds never had an official. No, but Barry Bonds had a court case. That's fine. I'm just telling you. I, no, I. but to me, if you're like a voter, you have to have, I. And, and I can see if you're a voter and you just say, well, I know he did it because I saw his head grow 15 sizes and I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm okay with that. And if you want to say he should be in because, you know, like I think Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. I think there should be an asterisk next. And on his plaque, it should say, you know, he was banned because um, he bet on baseball. He was found to have bet on baseball and was never remorseful about it. Right. But he had 4,000 hits. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Somehow, some way, that accomplishment should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, they want to say Barry Bonds hit 800 home runs, whatever his final number was. But, you know, it was suspected or however they want to do it. Yeah, and, and I, I mentioned and that. Maybe you don't have him at the ceremony. Maybe you don't yeah. have Pete at the ceremony. Maybe you don't have Barry at the ceremony. Maybe you don't have Roger Clemens. But by the way, ba- Barry and Roger, if they don't get in by the voters or by the writers. They won't get in. They're not getting no, in. I, I know that. I know that. But uh, to me, but, it's hard to tell the story of baseball. Well, I know. And, and here's you know, the thing, Mike. I think what people, and I wrote this on my column for Philly Voice today. Um, and it, it, it involved the shilling thing and the outrage at the shilling candidacy has drawn because of his views. And look, his views are his views are out there. His, he, you know, you shouldn't know. have anything to do with it. But and that that's my basic point. Like, I'm not elected him pope. I'm not elected him no. president. I'm elected him to a, a museum. But what if, God forbid, God forbid, that's a bad choice of words. I'm sorry. He gets in mm-hmm. and goes up there and for 15 minutes goes rogue. I think that, I, and I said this because. And I'm not saying, it will, if, if you ask me, do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't. Because no, I, I think don't he's either. smarter than that. But what if it did? What if something infuriated him? I don't know. What if he got up there and just wanted to piss people off and say, yeah, I don't know. But that's, you know, I'm not saying that should be a real concern. No, but if I know. If I'm a voter, I, uh, and but if thing, I'm baseball, it might be a concern. One thing I know about Schilling from being around him a little bit, you know, not you know, not every day or anything, but just being in, you know, obviously his years with the Phillies and then the connection, he, he respects the game. So I don't think he would do anything up there that would take away from the I don't either fame. but Pete but in the back of some people's minds Mine, I'm sure they're probably I, I could t- I'll, I'll tell you a conversation I had when I was in Cooperstown back in July and a bunch of us went to dinner and we were talking about the next year because you know Schilling or I'm sorry Jeter was a given and we figured all right maybe Larry Walker takes a step forward and all that and the subject turned the Schilling and a couple writers who have Hall of Fame votes and I'm not going to name them 
went, man, I, I can't vote for him next year. I'm like, well, why not next year as opposed to the other? Because do you want Kurt Schilling on an election a, year? An election year. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, and in the middle of Jeter Fest. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you could make the same. Nick, Roger Clemens was on the fan. This week they did the midday people, uh, right? Maggie and and Malusis, Malusis, yeah. And they did something, and and he was, and they asked him about it. You know, they said, "Look, Roger, and Roger, at least on this thing, was just taking. Look, I I was found, you know, innocent. I'm, I'm, you know, whatever he talked about. All right. You could all make the argument that Barry Bonds could get up there, or Roger Clemens, and could say something stupid, like throw it back in people's. I don't mm-hmm. think they would. No, I don't either. But I'm just saying, I, Barry Bonds might get up there and say, you know. I've taken this crap for 15 years now. You know, people have said I didn't belong in here. They, I, I'm just saying they could. I'm not saying they would. Um, but I mean, you know, they. And, and look, it was 70 years ago, it was different. Ty Cobb went in and was like, a, by all accounts, a horrible human being. Like yeah. he did stuff. I mean, allegedly, yeah, we don't know what he did, but I mean, um, you know, morals. I mean, look, OJ's in the Hall of Fame for what he did before, what happened with Nicole, and we don't. He's never been proven guilty of that, um, whatever. But there's a lot of people with moral whatevers yeah. in Hall of Fames and foibles. Uh, yeah, whatever word you want to attach to it. But my like, if I was the grand poobah of baseball, I would say Pete Rose is going in the Hall of Fame, which will never happen. But, well, and, but make, we're going to write, we're going to put an asterisk on his plaque so that everybody that comes walking past... And you know that the Pete Rose thing is the one that drives me the, mo- the nuts the most. Well, they're not going to do it because a, because they would be uh, crapping on the legacy of the commissioner at the time. No, I'm telling you when they're going to do it. When Pete's dead. When Pete's dead. See, I don't think so. Because... He, he, and I, Look, I don't want to get into a long conversation about Pete. Pete was his own worst enemy. Sure he was. And Pete pissed off a lot of people up there because he would go up there on Hall of Fame weekend. Yeah, weekend, I know. I know. And I know. sign on Main Street. Yeah. That's Pete. And if Pete had just been re- repentive, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. I, I, that's my belief. But I think there's people in baseball that think he was the reason Bart Giamatti well, died. And, and he, it's not the reason. He, no, but Bart you know what I'm saying. Died. I know. Because it, and, and who was the commissioner right after that? Uh, Faye, Faye Vincent. And Faye Vincent had a hair up his exactly. rear end about it. But him if and, Pete had just went in at some point and had been contrite about it, but but, but that's not Pete. But he that's can't Pete. do that. You know, and then he comes out with a book. And then, he, and like you said, he releases all these, in a Hall of Fame, uh, uh, Hall of Fame uh, uh, announcement. Yeah. So I don't feel sorry for Pete, but I'm saying if I'm a fan of baseball and I go to Cooperstown, I would like to see a plaque for the all-time hits leader and say, you know what? But he did this. He, you know, he he was found guilty of this, and that's why we had to ban him. But his accomplishment was so great. You know, Roger Clemens won seven Cy Youngs or whatever Roger Clemens won. Barry Bonds hit more home runs. Nobody than else. Anybody. No other Hall of Fame has this moral dilemma. Uh, not as no. You don't. You know. And it's it shows two things. Well, one, we'll see one if Tyree Kill like ever is like Hall of Fame worthy. Well, one guys like that people care people care about the baseball Hall of Fame more than others. Yeah, that's one. NFL's close. NFL, NFL's, NFL's gotten pretty, a lot better. Yes, but yeah, like baseball Hall of Fame. You, you know, we were in Houston when they announced yeah. the basketball Hall of Fame, and it, you know, Allen was, and they have their issues with that too. That's why they had to have a college Hall of Fame, and nobody cares about the NHL. I mean, I don't mean that to demean the NHL. I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying it that way. But most people out don't. of sight, out of mind, out yeah, of country. I mean, you know, unless it involves one of your players or yeah. something like that. But the but the football one's interesting because 
We never had these issues. Great segue, by the way. On, we're going to go to the NHL for one second. Oh. Gritty. Apparently being uh, accused of. Yeah, but but who knows? It's a, it's a, it's a, he said, against what they say, the Flyers say they investigated it and didn't find anything. Now the parent apparently, two months after the fact, Patro- because he wasn't happy with what the Flyers tried to give him. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of I I've been in situations where there was mascots there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find it hard to believe that Gritty would just walk over to a kid who apparently had smacked him in the arm or, or the back of the head. The kid okay, back of the head. Even the back of the head. He's got he's got a big costume on. But anyway, the, the whoever's playing Gritty would go over to physically like not playfully, but physically Knock, knock into a kid's back. I, but you know what? Strange stuff happens. I, I won there. I don't know what happened. I, I, I hear the two sides of it. You, you want to know what should really concern the Flyers? <laughs> They're playing really well. They are. And yet the mascot still draws the most attention of anybody. Well, only because it, it was a news item. I, I don't think people now are like, go to game. I think they're going back to the game to see the Flyers okay. play. But when something like this comes up, Oh yeah, it's a big. You know, it becomes yeah. It was like when the Eagles had the, the the judge used to judge McManus. You know, used to set yeah. up the court. And the Eagles weren't very good at the time. I think I'm trying to remember McCaffrey, McCaffrey, and you know, so that became like a big story. And then as soon as the Eagles start winning, the <laughs> story kind of went away. <laughs> yeah. All right, when we come back, we'll talk tacos. That's next. Work on the beat. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week. The Working to Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Working to Be podcast. Join us at 267 546 7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workinthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. In our final segment tonight, uh, we want to bring attention to um, something that Mr. Kern was commenting on uh, the other day on Twitter. Uh, follow Mike at Mike Kern DM, by the way. As our buddy, is that still my Twitter? <laughs> yes, it is. As our buddy James Wagner is on the phone from Los Angeles, actually Anaheim, correct, Wags? Hey guys. Hey, are you? You're in Anaheim, correct? That is correct. I am in Anaheim. Why, why can't I'm we be? The, the, why can't we I'm be with Anaheim, you? I know it's it's a lovely sixty some odd degree day in Anaheim. The sun is out. Briefly, there are palm trees. And, Did you see Mickey Mouse? Um, I'm learning all the the, the thing that is shocking to me not shocking but is eye-opening to me is that i can walk to disneyland you can walk yeah. to disneyland here you you can walk there you, you, if you know and if you're in orlando you know you can't you can't walk, walk anywhere to Disney World. <laughs> but you can walk to disneyland it's amazing it is i think i know what hotel you're you're at because i remember when i was out there there was a, maybe there's a couple i mean there might be but i remember there was a hotel right there that you could basically walk into the place uh, yeah, I'm, at the, I'm, I'm at the Marriott right now. Yeah. One of the, the different 
different the the v marriott i guess there are different you know if you know the marriott chain there are different levels of marriott yeah, so right. i'm at v anaheim marriott so uh, uh, wags is the uh the assistant commissioner of the colonial states athletic conference uh and he's out the ncaa convention right now and Wags, you decided yesterday for lunch to go to Mr. Kern's favorite spot at Jack in the Box. Did, and you went back today, correct? I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was like, there's a Jack in the Box. I walked right down the street and went to the Jack in the Box. And, and, and then I apparently ordered the wrong type of tacos. No, 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 no. You, I, first of all, I wasn't even aware they had these tacos. You're telling me they have a mini tacos. Yes, you can get 10 tacos for three bucks. And how big are they, would you say? That's what you can get. Ten for three dollars. Yeah, no, no. How, how big, big are, they? are they, would you say would you say? Wow. Well, they were pretty good. They weren't bad. They weren't bad. They were pretty good. But size wise, are they like appetizers? Are they like you Yeah, know? they're very, very small. They're 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 they can fit you can probably fit like three or four in the palm of your hand. So See, I'm not going were, there. They were, no, they were they were like they were very small. I did not realize, and I thought that that those were the tacos. Of course, after the while, I learned that you can get bigger tacos. So I'm going to go back there after my meeting. Okay, and get the bigger tacos. Two for that? What? They're either they might be two for a dollar thirty nine now. They were two for a buck, and then they also have a monster taco that's like I don't know two something that's basically double the size. But I go for the two for a buck. No, that's, that's what me. I think I'm going to do. That's going to be my. I'm still getting used to the time change. It's it's four yeah, yeah. thirty four fifteen here in Anaheim, and uh, you know my body I think has adjusted from the six hour flight from Baltimore yesterday, and and staying up to one a.m., which is four a.m. your time, right? Um, so you know it's it's uh, I think that will be my dinner tonight. Will be tacos from Jack and Box. Wags, Wags. Uh, the other question: Have you hit an In and Out yet? No, the, the the in and out is actually about three miles away. I'm going to do that tomorrow. Um, actually, uh, tomorrow morning after my meeting, I'm going to go over and see where the Angels play. It's literally yeah, five okay. miles away. Yeah. And on the way back, I will hit the in and out burger on the way back um, after I go see where the Angels of Anaheim play baseball. Do you know there's a place in Vegas, um, like at the north end, I guess it's, it might be the south end of the strip because I get it mixed up where there's a jack-in-the-box across the street from an In-N-Out. So okay. you do both. You go to the jack-in-the-box, you get your four tacos or whatever, and you walk across the street and get your combo. But when you get your jack-in-the-box, just remember this, extra cheese and extra hot yeah. sauce. Yeah, oh, that's, definitely. that's yeah, the way you got to go. All right, Wags, definitely. we'll let you get back into your meeting. So Be good, man. Have a, have a safe trip home. Okay, thanks, guys, for the time. I appreciate no it. No problem, okay, babe. James Wagner, our buddy. No, I'm not. No, four in the palm of my hand. No, no, no. They're smaller than what you got. Yeah, they are. No, but that's you know for kids it's probably great. So you know, I'm still, I'm still debating if I'm going to come home uh, from my trip if, this if weekend. If you can't, it's not the end of the world. It was more of a joke, but if you did, I, I wonder how they would taste. That's, I'm, I'm, you know, for two bucks, it's a I nine and a half hour trip. Yeah, you, there's Mike. You heat them up, man. You put them in the oven and heat them up. Toaster ovens. It's a beautiful thing. You still have a toaster oven? It is the most used thing in my kitchen. I might use it more than the microwave. Oh, absolutely. Because the microwave doesn't, like, if I want to make, like, little, I make mini pizza, little mini pizzas on um, two or three times a week for snack. Toaster oven. Um, if I'm reheating anything, toaster oven. The microwave doesn't, if I'm defrosting something, you know, if I'm doing a TV dinner, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, or our toaster oven 
gets monumental use. But then again, you expected that out of me. I did expect that out of you. We hardly ever turn on our oven, which is great. It helps the that helps the that doesn't help your heating bills though. Usually, I'll tell you what: you turn the oven on here, like if you're making like you know garlic bread or something, and you have the oven on, it feels great because you could just yeah, but your heating bill probably goes up. Yeah, a toaster oven I don't think uses much. Um. All right. So next week we'll get you ready for the Super Bowl next Thursday. We're hoping to get um, our buddy Eddie Barkowitz on I got to talk. Did you see him at the Flyers game the other night? I did not. Okay. I'll uh, mention it to him. You just got to remind me. Yeah. Uh, to talk prop bets and everything with prop bets. I'm going to try to see if I could get somebody else on, too. Uh, you know, you know, maybe make that an all-gambling show the Thursday before the Super Bowl. It's like gambling's last hurrah. Until I start making picks for betters insider the week after that on college hoops. It's not the same. The tournament is. Well, the tournament is. Tournament but the, but is the, but the month of February is a big old wasteland of sports, really. It is. That's why the NFL is going to find a way to get the to, to Day go to President's Day weekend. You know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of how they're going to do it. Well, like even this year, having the conference championship games followed by King Day was, was big for a lot of people. They're going to add a 17th game. They're, mm-hmm. going to, they're going to figure out a way to do it, even though that's stupid. You got to go either go to 18 or, but yeah. I, they're going to go to 17 and then they'll start maybe the season a week later and they'll have an extra bye week in there and they'll stretch it out, you know, and it'll go yeah. to February. Well, it goes to February now, but it'll go two more weeks into February and you'll get the day after off. And that I think is a good thing. Any thoughts on the Pro Bowl this weekend? No. <laughs> no. I think the last Pro Bowl I watched was like in 1973, probably because there were Eagles. I would watch it to see if an Eagle did, because the Eagles stunk. So you hope like Tom Woodishick had a good game. You know who's going to be doing the Pro Bowl? Booger? Booger. You know who's going to be doing that next year? Tony. I don't think so. Well, I think he stays with CBS. Okay, and he may. But CBS paying him four. He'll get bumped up to about eight or nine. Well, apparently, according to the reports, ABC was willing to go up to like 15. So, or yes, or whoever. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, he may stay with Jim Nance. Because uh, they're getting a Super Bowl again, I think, in a next couple year. years. Next, next year. year. Yeah. I'm not saying he won't. What I'm just saying is, and he would save. I mean, he could be the thing that might. Save Monday Night well, Football. Well, bring you back to Monday Night Football. They I'm not need, saying save it. They would need another play-by-play guy. Um. Yeah, but Tony could. Yeah, but Tony could make up for that. I don't know if he could. Yeah, he could. He could. And then, you know, what they should do is put Booger back on college football where he's really good. He is. He was. I used to love listening to him talk about college football. You're the one. No, he was. But he made, he was, he made sense. He was kind of like the Ryan Clark is to the NFL. Right. You know, and, and not doing games, I mean. Like, he no, was in I the know. studio. He was I know. that guy. Um, I just think he's very miscast. Yeah. I agree. All right. Have a good weekend, sir. It's going to feel weird without football this weekend. I might be eating tacos Sunday night. You might be. Yeah. It'll probably be more like Monday morning, <laughs> depending uh, on how long. We, we have a little reception thing on Sunday morning uh, for the family. It that, is what yeah, it is. You know, we got to go to a breakfast or something before we yeah. leave. Oh, God. You, oh, man. That, that makes for a long day. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do, man. It's family. Charlotte's not a bad place. I'm not a big show. I haven't been there in a while. When I was down there one year for a Final Four, and this was a long time ago, uh-huh. 
94. There, there was no downtown. Now, yeah. Like, everything had moved. See, Atlanta and Charlotte, to me, are just same kind of town. Nobody is from there. No. They're all from somewhere else, and a lot of them are from the whatever. Right. They're, they don't remind me. Like, when you're in Philadelphia, you know you're in Philadelphia. When you're in Boston, you know you're in Boston. When you're in Chicago. Or New York. Or, yeah. You know. it just, I don't know. But, yep. Yeah, that's me. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. Enjoy the first detox weekend without football. We'll see you next week. This is Work of the Beat.